Hello again, hockey fans. Are you ready to brave the wild? With me, your buddy, Paladino Joey Awajan. Well, today is episode number 38 of Brave the Wild. It is Friday, February the 5th, 2010. Of course, my mom's birthday, so happy birthday to her. Even though I'm sure she's not listening, because she's not a hockey fan. But I digress. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. And also, this show has a link on minnesota.nhlfansite.com. Minnesota.nhlfansite.com. Nice enough to put a pretty cool link on the left side of their website on the front page. Right on the top. (laughs) Pretty cool stuff. So thank you for that always. And thank you always again for listening to this show. Well, we got three games to review today. Not so much for news in terms of things going on. Like there's no trade, there's no news like that. But we're going to generally get into the all, all the goalie talk. I mean, it's the goalies that are going on, but they'll be kind of it'll be kind of in game as I'm reviewing the games in this particular deal with the news with the goalies because that's pretty much how all the news took place during the games. There's nothing to do with, and obviously they always do, but there's no real updates either. It's not like anybody's been sitting out for seven weeks and they're progressing to a certain point. I mean, more or less, Nicholas Backstrom is sick, and he'll be back when he feels better. There, there's your news on Nicholas Backstrom, basically. Uh, Josh Harding, yeah, Josh Harding. Mm. Just recurring hip injury, that's been a real pain. And, of course, we saw Wade Dublowitz play this week. And we saw Kudo, or actually it's Hudo technically, play last night about, or in the third period, excuse me. In the third period is Harding, much more serious looking uh, deal with that hip last night after making a big save. Unfortunately, he was already hurt apparently, and then made the save as he was hurt worse. Fun stuff. So now we're going to get right into the game reviews as we speak. This was Saturday, January the 30th. And it was a pretty lousy game for the Wild special teams. They gave up four, count them, four power play goals. Horrendous. Well, and before I continue, Brave the Wild does have a Twitter account. It is twitter.com forward slash brave the wild. Twitter.com forward slash brave the wild. All one word at the end there, of course. And um, yeah, please follow that Twitter. I update it as often as I can. During games and just, of course, during the week, I put out my opinions. Uh, follow me, mention, do like reply to them, reply to some of mine. We could kind of get into a conversation where all the masses can see it. Yeah. So let's just move on here. Seth, so I'd like to get that out there for you. Well, the Wild get dominated in the faceoffs. That was an interesting. <laughs> Finally, the Wild get dominated in the faceoffs. Both teams very aggressive in the other team's zone. I mean, the puck was all over the place in this game. Uh, the Wild had two power play goals. The Sharks had four. That's six power play goals scored in this game. Six power play goals scored in this game. Unbelievable. Absolutely crazy. And, of course, the first six goals of the game, because it was a seven-goal game total, were scored in the power play. It's just unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And, of course, Owen Nolan scoring against the San Jose Sharks yet again. He's the guy that opened up the game. And then, of course, the... <laughs> Sharks tie it up like clockwork about five minutes later. Jason Demers, Cal Clutterbuck makes us believers at the end of the first period. We're actually winning in San Jose. Of course, all three of those goals on the power play. Another, uh, Todd Richards shuffles the lines a little bit. 
LaChandress in this particular deal. He was with Owen Nolan and Eric Belanger. Um, yeah, the Lions do tend to shuffle a little bit. Yeah, you see, uh, you see, excuse me, I cannot talk. Brodziak and Cal Clutterbuck and Brunette all on a line also. And that was one of the scores. Uh, it's been, it's been interesting. The lineup, or the lines have been shuffled a little bit. More or less though, you got the first line with Brunette, Koivu, and Mietna in the second line. Typically has been. Now the center is the one that switches a little bit in there. Either Belanger or Brodziak with Letandres and Havlet. And then the third line is uh, Belanger or <laughs> Belanger or Braziak with Clutterbuck and Nolan. So this one, I guess they moved La Tendres to the third line for this particular with Belanger and Nolan. It's just, uh, it, it gets pretty interesting how it shuffles around a little bit. Clutterbuck with Braziak and Brunette, uh, hey, they, they got it done. That's what matters. But he doesn't shuffle them quite as confusingly as uh, Jacques Lemaire did. Uh, you, you generally see the same guys together in the Jacques Lemaire system. It was uh, it got kind of weird. He, he tended to shuffle the lines a little bit too much, and you wonder if that affected the chemistry late in Lemaire's career with the Wild. Uh-huh. How about that? How about that statement, huh? It's like, take that and uh, chew on it, huh? As now we move back to the game, and like I said, on my Twitter account, as some of you that might be following like to get more of you on there, please. It would, I'd appreciate it as I'm just saying that again. As the Wilds' penalty kill goes from bad to awful. Remember, the penalty kill perennially was number one in the NHL. On occasion, it was number two. Last year, you saw a slight decline to two or three or four last year at times when it was pretty much number one all the time forever, pretty much. It was even like that with the North Stars late in their run. Uh, now it's in the uh, Now it's in the upper teens, like 16th, I believe, right now. Yikes. And before you know it, if it continues on the run, it wasn't San Jose. Boy, it'll be 30th. <laughs> I mean, that was pathetic. San Jose, 4 of 7 on the power play. The Wild were 2 of 5. So at least the Wild power play looked okay. That That is 16th. Their power play officially is 16th. Um, nothing special either, but hey, it, it worked on this particular night. That was Saturday, the 30th of January. Patrick Marlowe, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you. Where did he come from? Now, he's a good player and everything. And, yeah, two years ago he had a down year after a couple of very good years. Had a kind of a down, mediocre 55-point season. That's mediocre for him. Last year he moved up into the upper 70s. But, my God, this guy is leading the league in goals scored. 37 goals. I believe at one point people thought he had a hat trick in this game. But uh, that was the first goal that went, ended up going to... Uh, Joel Pavlovsky, that was halfway through the second period, or late in the second period, when the Sharks were starting to show signs that they're going to win this game. That's when it was three to two, San Jose. Oh man, man, oh man, the Sharks dominating. I mean, it's just Patrick Marleau, man. I'm, I'm telling you, if this Sharks team doesn't win the Cup this year, they, they, they may never win the Cup. I mean, they, they got, they got Minnesota Vikings syndrome in terms of just can't win in the playoffs, can't win in the postseason. The Sharks absolutely have had that cloud over their head for a long, long time. And remember how back in the old days, in the early to mid-90s, when the San Jose Sharks first started making the playoffs, they were the opposite. They were that eighth seed that was knocking off Detroit. Detroit was the one choking always early in the postseason. So we'll see if the Sharks ever nip that in the bud and win a Stanley Cup here. Yeah, this is the year to do it because Patrick Morlow is playing out of his mind. You still have Danny Healy. 
Joe Thornton. You got uh, the great defense, everything. I mean, you got some good defensemen. You even have Rob Blake. He's still playing <laughs> in his old age. Nabokov's still there. I mean, you got the pieces to win a cup. This is the Sharks' year to win it. So, of course, you got the Blackhawks, the Devils now with, uh, and i got to get into that in a second here. Yeah. Oval Chuck going to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, diseased. Yep, very diseased. Oh, come on. Yeah, just uh, not what I wanted to see. The New Jersey Devils getting Kovalchuk. I just, uh, I don't know. If any team was going to get that guy, I mean, obviously, number one, you hope it's the Wild. But you hope it's somebody cooler than the New Jersey Devils. You know, I New Jersey Devils are one of the most boring teams. They're good, but they're boring. And I'm, I'm tired of seeing them, to be honest with you. I really am. It's always teams like... The New Jersey Devils, the Sharks, who are good, but still, they always seem to get all the players. Like Danny Heatley goes to the Sharks. Joe Thornton goes to the Sharks. Rob Blake goes to the Sharks. And it's just like it never ends. Uh, teams like that. Of course, Colorado was like that for a while. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit always seems to get the major names. And the New York Rangers always seem to get the major names. I mean, and they've been doing that since, what, the mid-'90s? It gets pretty old. <laughs> it's like it's the same four or so teams. For a while, it was Dallas, Detroit, Colorado, and New Jersey. Now it's, yeah, like I said, New Jersey still is one of them. San Jose is one of them. Detroit is still one of them. And the New York Rangers are still one of them. It's just, uh, you pretty much knocked off the Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it gets it gets a little old. It really does. So, yeah, that's my last thoughts on the San Jose Sharks game. Just... Yeah, the Wild were gutty in terms of their, they put a lot of pressure on the San Jose Sharks, but the Sharks put about a lot more on us, and they put a hurting on the Minnesota Wild. And Patrick Marlowe, my goodness, mm. he is having one hell of a year. He, 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 he might have a 60-goal season. In fact, the odds are looking pretty good for that. They really are. His final notes for the game. Well, Marlowe's comment, I mean, Marlowe's quoting here, I just hope for the best. Said Marlowe off, I mean, <laughs> one off a career-high set last season. He's now one off a career-high set last season at this point. It was just at the right height, and I happened to get a stick on it. Now, that was one of his goals, of course. I mean, Marlowe was just all over the place. Todd Richards weighs in. I like the way the guys battled and competed. Of course, Todd Richards, a former San Jose assistant, we, we know that. And uh, you thought maybe the Wilds would muster a little bit more they, because... Uh, Todd Richards might know a little bit of their little, some of their secrets, so to speak. He said, we played hard. The first period was a tremendous pace, and I thought we outplayed them in the second period. And, yeah, they got 17 shots on goal. But, yeah, despite heading into the third period down 3-2, to two, yeah, 17 shots on goal for the Wild. As I mentioned, the first six goals were scored on power plays. That is nuts. Todd McClellan weighs in. It was a strange game, but we won, and I can't complain. We played okay, and I'm happy with that. And, of course, it's always a strange game when it's the Wild and the San Jose Sharks. And Todd McClellan and all his offensive ability, uh, he tends to give up give up at, at times. He tends to give up leads at times. The defense isn't always up to par. But when it, when it is up to par, the Sharks are unbeatable. I mean, they're virtually unbeatable. Final notes, Nolan had eight goals. Has eight goals in his last seven games against the San Jose Sharks. That's, of course, his former team from a while ago now. And the Wild allowed a franchise high in power play goals. Yeah, four. Four. Oh, my God! 
really, really rough business. Really rough. Not what the doctor ordered. Especially when you're going through a goalie situation right now. Not what the doctor ordered. And, of course, San Jose Sharks are not going to cure anybody's ails. This, of course, Josh Harding and his ailing hip giving up five goals on 36 shots. Fun stuff. And also one final bit, the San Jose Sharks dominated the Minnesota Wild on the faceoffs, 38-22. to That's pretty rare. Also, the Wild usually it's usually the other way around this year, as the Wild are virtual opposites of what they were under Jacques Lemaire's system. They generally lost the faceoff, and they were good on special teams. And, <laughs> yeah, and most of their goals were scored um, on special teams and not in regulation. Now it's complete opposite. Complete opposite. So now enough of my rambling. We're going to move on to the Dallas game before I go too long. Tuesday, February the 2nd against the Dallas Stars. Minnesota Wild. It's like, will they ever win in Dallas? Well, if you hoped and prayed that somehow maybe they'd get lucky because Wade Dubluetz is in the net, the former Denver Pioneer who has a very good goalie, of course, for the Denver Pioneers. Best in the best in the WCHA back in 0203. He was the best player in the whole WCHA that year, the MVP of it, pretty much, other than Jordan Leopold of the Wild. But Dwayne Dublowitz, not much of an NHL career, a decent minor league career. And it's like, well, and yeah, that's how far back it goes to so the Minnesota Wild have won in Dallas. 2003, March 2003, that was when those WCHA tournaments and eventually NCAA tournaments were going on. Denver Pioneers, Minnesota Gophers, blah, 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 blah. So that's pretty ironic. It's like, is it an omen that the Wild are going to end this run in Dallas? No. Nope. No, it really wasn't, unfortunately. as uh, Wade Dublowitz was nothing special. Marty Kirko was something very special, unfortunately. Wild losers 4-2 to two in this game. And the Stars <laughs> made it. I mean, it, it got off to a boring start, but then James Neal puts it in. 22nd of the year. That's the leading goal scorer for the Wild. The leading overall scorer, of course, Brad Richards. Well, we continue here. Lot Andres was hitting the face of the stick, but luckily he came back. But pretty much right as he came back on the ice, that was when Neil got his 22nd goal of the year. Unfortunately, the Dallas Stars have won nothing. And it's like, my God, what is going on? Steve Ott was all over the place. He's just a very aggressive, very aggressive player. Cal Clutterbuck. And Steve Ott were going at it early and often, and I mean really often. They were bumping each other a little bit, got in a fight. And then Cal Clutterbuck crunches Brad Richards later on, a few minutes later. And then there you go again, Steve Ott and Cal Clutterbuck going at it big time. Unfortunately, guess who won both fights? Steve Ott. Steve Ott was able to wrestle Cal Clutterbuck to the ground and won both fights. Bummer, man. (laughs) But that's how it goes. And yeah, folks, I, I'm going to say this right now. I mentioned it on my Twitter, and I'm going to say it again. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the new arch rival for the Minnesota Wild is the Dallas Stars. A lot of us want to say it's the Vancouver Canucks, and yeah, I hate the Canucks. I'm sure everybody that's listening cannot stand them. And of course, both teams play a fairly similar style now, more of a grinders type of style. Well, then again, the Wild don't, or at least they won't much longer. Jacques Lemire's gone. That grind style is going to kind of go away a little bit. But um, I think the Stars and the and the uh, the Wild hate each other even more. I remember Vancouver got pretty cheap, and we started fighting and going crazy when we finally beat those SOBs 
in the X last month. And we finally beat them. That was a nice 5-2 to do victory. But there's something about Minnesota and Dallas that's really starting to heat up. Steve Ott, the last few, the last two times in Dallas, has really gotten things interesting, man. He, 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 he really has. I mean, getting in a fight with Josh Harding. Josh Harding, yeah, getting on Josh Harding's nerves. They went at it. And now Clutterbuck and uh, Ott, I think they're going to be going at it for a long time. And folks, don't be surprised if, before you know it, Derek Bugard is going to send a message to Steve Ott next time the Minnesota Wild played. Because the Wild amazingly did not have Derek Bugard in the lineup in Dallas. I don't think that is going to be the case the next time the Wild and the Stars meet. I really don't. I mean, this is just, it's, it got really interesting. The Wild just could not solve Marty Turco. Very, very frustrating the whole night. Of course, 40 saves for Marty Turco. I thought Brent Burns had his first goal, but eventually they gave, but instead they actually gave the goal to Guillaume Latendresse, and that ended uh, like a one-game absence from scoring. I mean, Latendresse has been everywhere. And I also mentioned last week that the Wild don't have like a dominant goal-scoring roster. Uh, Latendres is not a dominant super-duper star or anything, but I'm telling you, this guy, <laughs> I mean, there's reason to be really excited and encouraged. This guy is at very least a, a major, major piece for the future for the Minnesota Wild. And it's hard to believe that uh, things could change so dramatically from just two months ago. Guillaume Latendres just pretty much buried in Montreal. Ben Mapulia buried in the Wild. And Ben Mapulia becomes Guillaume Latendres. Pouliot's also doing better in Montreal. He actually is, but Latendres, I gotta say, is better. And I got a little nickname for Guillaume Latendres. It's nothing. Uh, it's nothing spectacular. Doesn't make doesn't make me sound like a genius or anything. But it's not horrible. I don't think. The lumberjack. Latendres looks like a lumberjack. He really does. And uh, why not? I'm gonna give him that name. He just has that tough Canadian lumberjack face. He just does. He's got the beard and everything. I could totally see him in one of those, uh, I don't know, those lumberjack, those Paul Bunyan shirts. He'd look perfect. He's big and brawny, all that good stuff. Guillaume Latendres is the lumberjack. So there you go. So if I say that name sometimes, that is who I am referring to. And Latendres was all over the place in this game as well. He, he really was. Just a, he's, just, he's just been such a piece for the Minnesota Wild. He really has. Um, it's just getting crazy. What drove me nuts, though, in the wild, we're trying to keep things close in that second period. Now, of course, it was 2-1, to one, and it's like, you know, there's still a chance. Obviously, it's just a one-goal game, but then Madano scores a 24.4 left in the game, in the second period. Mike Madano scores against the wild again, and it just made me roll my eyes. As Mike Madano, we're going to get into this right now, Mike Madano has been on fire. He has been absolutely on fire. It's just been a crazy run for him. A former Minnesota North Star, of course. As Madonna has scored seven of his 13 goals this season in the past 10 games at this point, in large part because Crawford has given a 39-year-old forward days off from practice. They're saying, just go ahead and rest. you got to like that. <laughs> Madonna weighing in here. It's been a good stretch, said Madonna, who added an assist on his Hundred or excuse me, thirteen hundred fifty-three career points, tying Guy Lafleur for twenty-fourth. Wow, twenty-fourth all-time, folks. I feel like I'm getting some good looks on that and some 
quality chances and shots have been finding their way through the legs of goalies. And, uh, yeah, you got to like it for uh, Madonna anyway. Got to hate it, of course, because the Stars are our tribal, and that's for our former guy. And like I said on last show, I believe it was last show, or is it two shows ago? I'm mixed up. I think it was last show. I mean, yeah, we just played Dallas in Dallas, ironically. Madonna was not a dominant number one overall pick superstar type of player, but his longevity to the team and how he's become the all-time, and his longevity, longevity in the NHL and becoming the all-time leading scorer for U.S.-born players in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's not that dominant Joe Thornton, Danny Heatley, uh, Alex Ovechkin type of player when you, that you expect a number one overall. Now, you don't necessarily expect that, but you hope for that. But at the same, you know, and when he was a North Star, he was kind of crazy and inconsistent, a little wild. He made some mistakes, got dumb penalties, turned the puck over a lot. But he also had some big games. Uh, never a hundred point scorer, even even in an era when there was a little when there was a little less defense back in the early nineties. Um, but yeah, his longevity and everything makes up for that, and how he has just he's stuck with the same franchise. And not only is he the all time leading scorer for the North Stars or the North Star, the Dallas Stars slash North Stars, but um, yeah, all time leading scorer for all U.S. born players. So. Congrats to Mike Madonna there, who, of course, again, 24th all-time. Probably a future Hall of Famer. He's even got a ring. Well, yeah, he's a future Hall of Famer. I'm an idiot to even say probably. He is. Yep, he's got a ring as well, the 99 Stanley Cup champion Dallas Stars. And watching a bunch of Hicks cheer for uh, the minister, the, our former team at the time, as Wild weren't playing yet, was a little frustrating. Watching a bunch of Hicks celebrating a Stanley Cup champion pissed me off a little bit. I'll be honest with you. So there you go. There's another statement for the day. Let's move on to the game here. As Dublowitz, of course, joins the Minnesota Wild here. And it was like immediately he had to start on Tuesday. He was uh, he he was the game he was the winning goalie Monday night against Abbotsford. He, they won three to one. The Houston Arrows. I almost said Oilers. That's interesting. Houston Arrows win three to one in Abbotsford. Very, very crazy <laughs> on Monday, and then he had to join the Wild on Tuesday. And, of course, start in net for the Dallas Stars. And Dublowitz, not, not too great in the game. The star, the Stars. The Wild, yeah, that's just going to happen a couple times, I guess, because I am a Minnesota North Stars fan from the day. I'm not just a Wild fan. <laughs> I'm not a Dallas Stars fan, but you get the idea. Man, I'm going to get confused when these two teams play on occasion. I'm one of the older school fans, which some of you out there are. Um, Dublowitz weighing in, though, on the situation. As I mentioned, only faced 18 shots and gave up 14 goals. Just didn't look all too great in the game. He just didn't. So here's Dublowitz. It's disappointing. I thought we put out a pretty good effort. We should have won the game. You double them in shots. Yeah, double them in shots. We battled hard enough where I had to come up with one more save, and I couldn't do it. That's pretty tough to swallow right now. And Todd Richards said, I thought Dubowitz could have been better. Mm, and that's it. Boom. That's not a reigning endorsement for uh, Wade Dubowitz, is it? No. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. So that's the end of that game. It's been fun. It's been fun. It really has. It's been fun talking about it, hasn't it? Uh, not really. Dallas Stars... Uh, 
dominance over the Wild has been ridiculous. It is now 12 straight victories, or 12 straight non-victories for the Wild in Dallas. Of course, there are a few shootout losses and all that crap. Yeah, it's been a winless run for the Minnesota Wild. So now we head to last night's game. And what's the cure-all for a, for a, a, a rusty team, a rusty engine? Oil. Yep, the, the Edmonton Oilers come to town trying to oil this rusty machine up a little bit. And unfortunately, extremely injured Minnesota Wild goaltenders. You had Wade Dublowitz in the previous game. Didn't work out all so great. So, <laughs> Anton. Oh, Anton. I love that name. Kudobin. Or Hudobin. I don't know if it's... Uh, we'll, we'll get to it soon. They called him Kudobin in the, in the game last night. So, we'll go with that for now. He's the backup goalie for... <laughs> Hurt Josh Harding, not injured yet, but hurt Josh Harding. This, of course, was Thursday, February 4th, yesterday. <sighs> Boy. Yeah. And who would have who would have thought, or I mean, I mean, who who knew that Anton Kudobin would have to be in net? Oh, I think all of us. He just knew something was going to happen and Kudobin would be in the net because that's the way the, the week has been for the Minnesota Wild and their ailing goalies. It has been a nightmare, ladies and gentlemen, a nightmare. As, of course, yes, Josh Harding did injure that hip at one point in the game. (laughs) We'll get to that in a second, though. The first period was pretty nondescript, to be honest. The Wild, though, pretty nondescript in the main frame of things, anyway. The Wild were dominating the Edmonton Oilers in that first period and couldn't get a goal. I could not solve. I can't say his name. Because it's not, it doesn't pronounce... Well, I guess I'm going to have to go with de jure's, I guess. I mean, that's what it looks like, and I can't remember how it's how, how they said it. It's something a lot different. I'll just say de jure's just to be goofy, because that's about the best I can do right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'll try almost experiencing some technical difficulties here with the microphone. It's like, you know, so sorry, fans, if things sound a little bit weird, or listeners, things sound a little strange here. But a fun game for the Wild in general. You just couldn't make it up. Josh Harding hurt again. I mean, you can't make it up. Going to continue here first, though. Robbie Earl almost had a goal early on. He just uh, he was close on a couple plays. The fourth line, Havlat was with Robbie Earl on that particular part. Wild, though, again, just could not solve Jeff DeJures. <laughs> That's all I'm going to call him. And uh, his goals against average is only th- his goals against average is about three. Save percentage of ninety. You should be able to score on this guy. He's not that great. Luckily, the Wild do, as they did score four goals in the game, and the Wild went 4-2. to two. As uh, Havlat was able to score finally in that second period. That's like, okay, we're going to be fine, maybe. Kim Janssen shot the puck on net, and Havlat directed it in. This was early in the second period. Unfortunately, the, flame, the Flames, the Oilers were able to tie it up not too long after that, as that seems to always be the case of the Wild. And then it was just back and forth and back and forth in that second period. It was kind of a grinded out second period. Only seven shots on goal per team. And it's like you start wondering, why is it one-to-one against the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, that's all you hear about is how bad the Oilers are. How they're like a team that is just in complete disarray. They screwed up. Trade after trade after trade they made. Move after move. They just screwed up everything. Yet, we're tied one-to-one at home against the Edmonton Oilers. What the hell? This is complete, utter BS. 
complete utter BS. Just what the heck? What was what was amazing also? The Wild dominated in the faceoffs. Now before that, Mietnin, yeah, they dominated in the faceoffs. Mietnin, thank God for anti Mietnin, <laughs> TGF anti Mietnin. Minnesota Wild up two to one at this point. Pretty early in that first period, but then Mark Puglia, another Puglia, oh no, another Puglia, ties it up again. As of course, first though, the Mianin, that was the classic first line, Mianin, Koivu, Brunette, all together there. Mianin always looked as kind of a third line player, but fits in great with Koivu and Brunette, and there you go. Mianin, of course, been on fire, we're going to get into that in a sec at the end. He has just been on fire for quite a while now, and exactly five minutes later, Edmonton ties it up again. And it's like, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. Uh, Harding was already getting, starting to show some, <laughs> starting to show a little bit of wear and tear, per se, at this point. Stortini, I like saying that name, assisting on the play. He got the puck on net, and Puglia was able to push it in in a kind of a scramble. That's when Harding really started to show he was in pain. Then, of course, Harding makes a, a great save as he was getting hurt, literally, as he was getting hurt. And that was it. The guy could hardly move. The guy could, the guy was basically like just like a statue. He couldn't even move. That's what happens when your hip is hurt. And it didn't look good at all. Kudobin. Anton Kudobin is now the goalie for the Minnesota Wild in a 2-2 game against the Edmonton Oilers. A game we cannot afford to lose. You cannot lose a home game against the Edmonton Oilers. And Anton Kudobin is now the goalie regardless if you like it or not going to be real interesting. Uh, Kudobin acknowledged feeling a little nervous at the start of his sudden NHL debut. It's pretty tough, but what can you do? As uh, Kudobin was awarded his first victory, he stopped nine shots in less than ten minutes. Uh, it's your job. You have to do it. That's what he said. Kudobin continues, everybody came to me and just said, relax, play your game. He was called up to, from Houston just before the game. Again, another deal where he's called up from Houston just before the game. And here he is. I just said to myself, I have to stop the first shot and I'll be okay after that. Well, pretty much. Todd Richards weighs in now. as uh, he, looked, he looked confident and ready to go. Those young kids, when you get your opportunity, you're always thinking about succeeding. And luckily the Wild absolutely did succeed in this game. Because Guillaume Latendresse to the rescue on just a beautiful play. Him and Havlat, if there was any doubt at how great the chemistry is between Havlat and Latendres, the goal that would become the game winner, it was just a beautiful thing. I mean, that, 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 that's the future of the Wild right there, at least a big part of it. Havlat and Latendres, and the way they just look like they're having a blast out there. I mean, they're having a blast. Latendres and Martin Havlat. It is just a fun thing to watch, folks. Absolutely fun to watch. Just this look in their eye. Um, Kyle Braziak officially getting the assist there. And then Havlat and Latendres bury it, and they look like they're having even more fun. The game was buried in Kudobin making those nine saves. And in the meantime, La- Martin Havlat and Latendres go on the break. The give and go, folks. Latendres had the puck, or Havlat had the puck, gets it to Latendres. Back and forth a few times. Latendres just, instead of taking the shot, just a pretty pass over to Havlat, who buried it for his 13th of the year and uh, absolutely loved it with about two minutes. 
and 30 seconds left in the game, you knew the Wild won. I mean, it's a two-point lead against the Edmonton Oilers, and the Wild do sell DeJures. I'm just going to call him that. Forgive me again, folks. And, uh, boy, that was that was a fun finish. It's like, And, yeah, this is a cure-all type of game, and the Wild needed it in the worst way. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean the Wild goaltending situation is a cure-all. It really doesn't, and it doesn't mean that the Josh Harding's hip is suddenly going to get better because the Wild beat the Edmonton Oilers. That didn't look good, and uh, now the question is, how long will Josh Harding be out? Mm. It's uh, it didn't look pretty good. It just it just didn't look good. It just got much worse. Uh, a lot of people say in the wild probably should have pulled Harding earlier before it did get worse. Before a bad went to worse. So now let's go to the face-off category. The Wild were winning 35 to 13 with 12 minutes left. In the first, in the third period, excuse me, in the game in general. And it's like, why are we tied with the Edmonton Oilers? We're beating them in every category. Yeah, we just can't seem to bury shots on this guy who's not a very, he's really, the numbers don't indicate he's that great of a goalie. Edmonton, of course, and Minnesota getting tons of shots on goal in this third period. And luckily the Wild hold on for dear life. <laughs> and they bury the shots that they got later in the game. But yeah, the Wild won 45 to 17 in the face-off category. It got even crazier after that. Yeah, another 10 to 3 after that. After that, in the final 12 minutes in the face-off category, 45 to 17. That is amazing, just amazing. And uh, yeah, you got to feel good for Kudobin. He's just he's just getting started, as they say. Looking pretty good, is Kudobin. Nothing major, not not any major scrums to mention in this game. Mostly that Steve Vaught and uh, Cal Clutterbuck are the most interesting ones in the game in general. There's always going to be some scrums, but there was nothing really crazy. So now we'll continue to have some final notes here as uh, the Wild have outscored the Edmonton Oilers 43-14 to during this home winning streak. 43-14 to during the home winning streak for the Wild. It's just, that's crazy. Over the Oilers, that is. Their last loss to Edmonton at home was more than three years ago. Yeah, more than three years ago. Andy Mietnin has at least one goal in seven of his last nine games for the Wild. That's how on fire Andy Mietnin is. And Richards on Harding. Well, we'll talk to the doctors and find out what's going on. He had to have been (laughs) hurting pretty bad seeing him come off the ice. And yeah, that just did not look good at all. It really didn't. As the Wild now reside in the 12th seed in the Eastern or Western Conference, still a, a, a logjam, but a lot of people believe, and I tend to agree, if the Wild are going to make trades, I would think they'd want to lean towards the seller category, not the buyer category, unless there's like a can't-miss super young, or unless there's a can't-miss young stud heading this way, like Kovalchuk. If that could have happened, that would have been great. But if you're going to try to get some 35, 37-year-old guy to help you try to get the eighth seed, well, what what's the point? What's the point? And then give up some prospects? Isn't that the opposite thing the Minnesota Wild want to do? Houston, the Houston Arrows uh, farm is not too big yet. It's just uh, it's still as bare as it ever was. It's still as bare as it ever was, with a few encouraging signs starting to trickle through. That's about it, though. The 12th seed for the Wild was 60 points. San Jose with 83, I believe they lead the NHL. And no, Washington now has a one-point lead over San Jose for the entire NHL. Why wouldn't that be an epic Stanley Cup Finals? The Washington Capitals against the San Jose Sharks, or even the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, number two seed in the West. Who knows? 
it's going to be pretty interesting <laughs> indeed. Um, as now I did mention the Houston Arrows, we're going to segue to them real, real quick. One encouraging thing of note is it appears that Colton Gillies, Peter Kalis, and Danny Ehrman are starting to figure it out a little bit in Houston as they're finally starting to step up. Even Cody Allman with shucks, he had about five points last week. Cody Allman with about five points last week. Gillies had three. Danny Ehrman had three points last week. And Peter Kalis, even Peter Kalis had two points. So that's very encouraging for the Wild in those terms. Those guys, all pieces of the Wild's farm. Now, Peter Kalis isn't this big name stud or anything, but hey, he's still, a, he, at least he stuck around it and he didn't go back to Europe. <laughs> so that's one encouraging place there. And he's finally starting to break through. Cody Allman looked on as one of the one of the hotter prospects for the Minnesota Wild, believe it or not. And, of course, Colton Gillies is a number one pick for the Wild just two years ago. Pretty invisible all of last year with the Wild, as I mentioned, and pretty invisible with the Houston Oilers. It's like, what the hell? Is this guy going to be good at any level, or did we just flat waste a pick? And did we trade up to get a guy who's not even that good? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out with Colton Gillies. He's starting to show a few signs there in Houston, though, which is nice. And as I mentioned, Danny Ehrman moving up, the, moving up a bit with those Houston Oilers. He's been moving up, and he's, it's, it's an encouraging sign as the guy has been virtually invisible with the Houston Oilers the last two and a half years. So uh, good to see there. Hope that maybe there is some food in the cupboard yet for the Minnesota Wild down in Houston. As we'll only find out, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out in the next couple months here, a couple weeks, depending on if there's injuries, one of those guys might come up. Will they stick around? <laughs> Well, Clayton Stoner probably had, had a pretty good chance of sticking around, a guy I'd been watching for a while, and he'd been in the wild system for about five years or so. Nice def- nice little defenseman. Every year on the Houston Oilers did a good job, got a little bit better. Houston Arrows, I knew I was going to say it, did a good job and got a little bit better each year. Finally came up to the wild this year and got hurt after 10, ten games. Just what a bummer. What a bummer. He definitely provided some energy. So you hope that Colton Gillick... Clayton Stoner, yeah, I'm getting those guys mixed up now. Even better, Clayton Stoner can uh, get healthy and uh, rejoin the Wild at some point in time. Some point in a Excel Energy Center near you is the Wild will have a nice little homestand here. You got uh, you got Philadelphia Flyers. Yes, that's right, the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow night in the X, of course, and then you got. Three more home games, all home games before the Olympic break comes up. And they're all games that are winnable and need to be won, of course. You need to beat Philadelphia, obviously. You hope you can, but they're a bad matchup for the Wild. Phoenix has been a bad matchup the last year and a half, but it's a home game. The Wild need to take care of business. If they can't beat the Atlanta Thrashers next Friday, that's going to really piss me off. (laughs) So it's looking like I'm going to be reviewing two games next week, maybe three if I decide to hold it out. But I think I'm I'm going to leave it at two. So then I could have two for the next show. That makes more sense before the Olympic break comes in. Because there will be no Brave the Wild during the Olympic break. There's no reason to unless some major trade happens. And I don't think it's going to happen. That would be kind of weird. So, yeah, we'll be reviewing the Phoenix Coyotes, uh, the Wednesday game, and, of course, the Saturday game. Saturday game tomorrow. Philadelphia and Phoenix. And the next week, of course, Atlanta and Vancouver. That's a game the Wild, well, you hope they can win that. But if they can't, they can't, I guess. All very winnable, though, because the Wild are 19-6 and six at home, which is just an awesome record. Um, Got to take care of business. 
But as I mentioned, though, during that about yeah during that two week span, there will be no Brave of the Wild for two weeks because there'll be no reason to do a show unless something very interesting does happen, like some major news of the Wild breaks. It'll be the only reason I do a show. So that's a heads up. But we have two more shows to go until that happens. So there you go. Gotta win these games. Hopefully the Wild can capitalize here and go four and one or something. That'd be great. That'd be great. I mean, if the Wild make the playoffs without having to give away some prospects and maybe even sell a guy and gain some prospects, that'd be terrific. That'd be fine with me. Otherwise, uh, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if Owen Nolan is traded at some point because he's a you know he's an older guy and it'd be a nice addition for a playoff team. He just would. But we will, we shall see indeed, as the NHL trade deadline isn't until early March. So I'd like you guys to please call into the voice line, 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877 would be deeply appreciated. Mention you're calling in for Brave the Wild, uh, Opine, and leave your name in town in Opine. You get the idea. It would be terrific, whatever you want to say. Make a joke, whatever, as long as it's somewhat relevant to the show, I'd appreciate it. Also, please do sign up for the message boards on the sportsstuff.com. There's a button that says TSS Boards in the upper right-hand corner of the website. Click on that, and then simply click on Register, and you will be a part of the you'll be part of the, the website, the sportsstuff.com. And we can talk some hockey on those message boards. It would be terrific. So, show a little bit longer today. Just kind of wanted to get more into detail in the games because that's pretty much how I had to do news this particular show. The news happened during the games, not after the games, or uh, off the ice or anything. No off the ice news this week. Just nothing going on. No trade rumors. Oh, and the one final note. Dion Phaneuf traded from the Calgary Flames, of course, second favorite team, I guess, and I think some of you out there that listen to Calgary Puck Radio, which is a fantastic show, might be listening. Wow, why did they trade Dion Phaneuf for... What they, what they got back in return didn't make much sense. I mean, nobody really there was young. It was mostly a depth cap space move, I guess. I just a little confused of that, trading Ole Jokinen. That was a good move to the Rangers. Ole Jokinen's done to get anything back for I'm sure that was a good move for the Calgary Flames. So I just thought I'd throw that in. Oh, those are the trades that took place this week, other than the Kovalchuk trade. <sighs> yeah. So the trade, the trading frenzy has begun. When will the Wild join and who will be traded? That is the million-dollar question. I don't think Josh Harding is going to get traded, folks. Ah, there's a small, tiny possibility that Baxter might at some point in time. Maybe not this year, maybe next year because of the salary cap. you got to have space to sign players in the NHL because the salary cap exists now in the NHL. And, of course, it's getting smaller, not bigger, smaller. That means players are going to get squeezed, folks, and uh, teams are going to get squeezed, and that's going to be very interesting indeed. Very interesting. All thanks to the economy and the Federal Reserve and the crappy bankers out there that like to kill our economy and push us around. So we're going to leave that alone. Thank you always for listening, and do take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 